0: Hello, you're very welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about seasonal workers and street vendors. Many migrants to Catalonia, especially from lower income countries, find themselves in precarious positions, not least when it comes to summer work. On today's podcast, we're looking at the reality of two different kinds of jobs that migrants often end up doing, picking fruit in the fields and selling goods on the streets. We'll be hearing directly from some of the people who do these jobs about why they do them and what it's like. Joining me on today's podcast are Christina Tomas-White and Gifrez Jordan. You're both very welcome.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks Lorcan. At the heart of today's podcast then is the issue of migration. And Gifre, Catalonia has seen different patterns of migration over the past number of decades.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Catalonia is a land of migrants that's nothing new. So we we had a a massive wave of migrants in the 60s and 70s in the past century uh, coming from the south of Spain, southern Spain. That means that hardly anyone in Catalonia has all four grandparents who are Catalan-born or with full Catalan origins. This practically doesn't exist here. So then in the ta- in the 2000s more or less we got another huge massive of of migrants coming from northern africa also sub saharan migrants and also latin americans mm-hmm. so all this in the 2000s this changed, again, the demographics of the country.
1: No, so, I mean, even Spain as a whole, you know, it used to be a country that where people would leave from, you know, so they would go to France, Germany. Germany in the 60s, um, 70s. Even Mexico after the Spanish Civil War, mm-hmm. um, whereas following the entry into the European community in the 80s, in 1986... Gradually, especially from the 90s onwards, more and more people started coming to Spain, and this became even more pronounced in the 2000s, like Gifre was saying.
2: Yeah, actually, in, in the 2000s, people without Spanish citizenship in Catalonia were 2.9%. Then this huge wave uh, came, you know, making the most of this wealth of this uh, economic good years in Catalonia before the financial crisis in 2008. And now the amount of people without Spanish citizenship is 16.2%, whereas the Spanish average is 113 So it's mm-hmm. uh, a big jump compared to the year 2000 and many more compared to Spain. Right, right.
0: And a lot of this migration is obviously economically driven and a lot of the migrants are doing work now that used to be done by people from here.
1: Yeah, no, the, these demographic changes have led to work, changes in the workforce. So, for example, jobs that people with Spanish citizenship used to do, such as you know, seasonal work in the fields or, or even meat packing plants or cleaning, now it is mainly foreigners that do them. The, these foreigners also are mainly not from the EU, although there are a sizable amount of Romanians.
0: You mentioned fruit pickers and we're going to hear from uh fruit picker very shortly uh th- later on we're actually going to hear from some mantes uh probably should explain what mantes are
1: yeah so those are uh street vendors they you i mean now you don't really see them too much because of covid but street uh, they, vendors
2: they, without permit without yeah, license to yeah, sell in the street uh, because
0: because they've got Blankets, no, Blankets, yeah, yeah, yeah. a manta, manta is, is a blanket, blanket. so mantas, yeah, uh, because um, that's where they lay out all their right, right, goods.
1: selling bootleg goods.
0: So the situation with fruit pickers is kind of in the news every year, I would say. But last year in particular, it was really big news, Christina, during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, no. So towards uh, June, July, like just as Spain and Catalonia emerged from the very strict months of lockdown, there were around 200 uh, homeless uh, fruit harvesters that were in Lleida. And uh, just because everything was closed, it was probably more visible at the time. You know, just seeing so many people out on the street. And one of the big issues is that more people came than were needed because uh, there was this fear that there weren't going to be enough workers, uh, especially if borders were closed and it was harder to get around. So more people came than were needed, and a lot of them ended up sleeping on the street. And there was even a football player, Keita Vallet, who at the time was playing for AS Monaco, who offered to play for their um, stay at hotels. But for a while, hotels were not letting them stay there until eventually he was able to, to pay for their room and board.
2: As Christina was saying, this problem happens every year. There are migrants going to the western inland of Catalonia, Lleida region, which is the one with the biggest uh, agricultural industry. So um, you know they know that in summer a lot of fruit needs to be picked and. As we were saying, locals aren't doing it, so they are going in en mass to, to yeah. data and, and so on, but they don't have accommodation, some of them. Mm-hmm. And there's always this controversy whether local authorities should provide uh, or mm-hmm, companies mm-hmm. Uh, should provide uh, them for accommodation or not. I mean, yeah. human rights issues, so how, how is it possible that we have people sleeping rough?
0: Yeah, uh, to work and everyone benefit. Everyone eating fruit, and it's not just in Catalonia. This fruit gets exported all around Europe as Absolutely, well, especially yeah. to northern countries where it doesn't have the climate to grow these. Things. Apples yeah. in are right. very famous. Yeah. So, no, you know. and especially
1: last year, um, it was a really big deal just because it was about a month after the murder of George Floyd in the U.S., and there were even solidarity protests here in Barcelona and other parts of Europe. And, um a lot of people were complaining, uh, especially in Yeda, like, oh, well, you know, we can complain about racism in the u s. but people don't know what's happening just a few Not kilometers away. At, yeah, or like how their f- they get their food, where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. And, what human rights um, violations or questionable practices exist.
0: Yeah. And uh, it was noticeable then as well, because um, COVID figures, which everyone's been following for the last year, they started to rise, obviously, in and that kind of mm-hmm, drew mm-hmm. attention to people who were maybe look not really mm-hmm, paying attention mm-hmm. that, OK, there's something going on here. And it's and it's why it's because there's these underlying factors of like conditions. Of yeah, it people. was the
2: first outbreaks uh, after the first lockdown in yeah. July 2020. Yeah, it was, was the first outbreaks. Where we're there.
0: So the question is: Twelve months on, has anything changed? And Christina's been finding out for us this week.
1: A year ago, all eyes were on yeva one of the areas first hit by a summer resurgence of COVID-19 cases. Around 200 fruit pickers made headlines for sleeping rough in the western Catalan city. And as the death of George Floyd set off protests all over the globe, including Catalonia, local activists stress the importance of being aware of what's happening here too. Are things any better this year, though? To an extent, but just how much depends on who you ask.
2: <laughs>
1: Every year, 30 to 35,000 seasonal workers come to the Lleida area, Giamma Pedros of the Unión de Pagesos Farmers Union explains. Last year, farmers feared more stringent travel restrictions would keep the workers they needed away. But the repeated calls for workers ended up having the effect of attracting far more people than needed. This year, however, unfavorable weather conditions have brought crop yields down, and only some 25,000 people are needed this season. Translating into fewer people traveling to Yeda in search of work and fewer homeless people trying to make ends meet in the fields. In charge of the farmers' union's policies regarding seasonal workers, Padros resents what he calls unfounded accusations of exploitation. Not only is he adamant that undocumented workers are never hired by the union's farmers, but he cites the few labor infringement fines that have been handed out as proof that everything is done by the book. Fruita Am Justicia Social, a seasonal workers' rights group, is blowing the issue out of proportion, he
3: says.
1: Ybert Rashak is one of the passionate young members of this group.
3: Y, y hay un problema que
2: es eh, de entrada.
1: And he also has a long list of complaints. Describing Mieida as Catalonia's far west, he argues that because labor rights violations have been taking place far from Barcelona for the past 20 years, authorities have done next to nothing to address them. Yes, he says, many workers have been able to get vaccinated. But COVID-19 isn't always their top health concern after working long hours under the sun and worrying about where to spend the night. It's not only the undocumented who are forced to work and live in precarious conditions, Rashak says. Over 60% of those housed in the shelter the local council set up for seasonal workers in the Yeva Pavilion this year are actually not undocumented. And while this pavilion, which only opens at night, may have helped alleviate housing distress, Reshak believes that paying for it with public money lets employers off the hook, especially when the labor agreement clearly states they need to house fruit pickers who live far away from their place of employment. Serin Mamadou, a seasonal worker from Senegal, laughs when I ask him about this labor agreement. What labor agreement? He says. No, 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 no. No like many other Yeva's workers, Mamalu travels around Spain depending on what is in season. And according to him, there are no longer Spaniards working in the fields. It's immigrants who do the bulk of the work to get food on our plates. This year, there are also more street vendors or mantes trying their luck in Lleida. Fewer tourists in Barcelona and other popular coastal towns means fewer opportunities to sell goods on the street, Amadou explains. And the visitors who do come are scared to get too close to anyone to buy anything. A vocal opponent of the far-right anti-immigrant Vox party, Mamalu has been actively defending migrant workers' rights for the past couple of years. Conditions are bad all around, he says, but they're particularly egregious when it comes to those without work permits. Sometimes farmers make them work up to 12 hours instead of 8. And there are also times they're not paid at all. Why would farmers worry about repercussions, after all? I mean, what will the undocumented do, he says? Call the police? Fear of deportation is generally enough to keep them quiet, Mamadou explains. When I ask him whether things have improved at all a year later, he says that they have, somewhat. Thanks to the pavilion the council set up for some of them to sleep in. But this doesn't put an end to all of their other problems. Mamadou's solution? Papers for the undocumented, labor rights and support to those who need it the most.
0: We heard from Jaume Pedros, Ybert Rechak, and Serine Mamadou. Our thanks to all of them. And I suppose one of the big differences between what we've just heard and what we're going to talk about now the Mantes, the, the street sellers, is that uh, the street sellers are very visible normally, when there's not a pandemic on, in Barcelona and other big cities. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, no. And um, although many of them are undocumented, they are very highly organised and very politically active.
0: Yeah, they actually formed a union.
1: Yeah, in in 2015, uh, a few months after the death of Murcila in Saló, who was being chased by the police. Um, uh, he was one of these... He, uh, yeah, he dives, was presumably. A, yeah, a street vendor. Um, they... Decided to band together and form a union um, just to defend uh, their rights.
2: Actually, this is one of the debates that we've been having for the last decade or so, or even more. What should authorities' approach be? Uh, chasing them and that's it. That I mean, th- does it make sense? Because mm-hmm. you know, you're going to chase them and they are going to you know, set up their manta, their blanket, in another place. So does it make sense? Even police violence, this ended up really badly for more Scylla. Should it be another approach, like letting them sell their stuff? Well, mm-hmm. some local shops with license complain about that because... You know, they are paying for some uh, license, they are paying their VAT and so on, while these mantis are. And so it's, it's a full debate and it's very complex to, to, to find a solution. Others say that they should be given work permits and that's it. So, yeah, it's complex because it's about economy, it's about police, it's about society, integration, migrants. Mm. It's, it, it's a full debate, very complex.
1: No, and I feel like there are a lot of people that complain about them, um, you know, selling goods and not paying their taxes. And one of their main um, demands is to be able to do things regularly. Like, they, it's not that they don't want to pay taxes. It's just, they just haven't been able to work within the system.
0: Now, one of the things that uh, this group of street sellers have done is set up their own store in Barcelona back in 2017. Our colleague, Chenia Palau, went along this week to see what it's like.
3: In the middle of Barcelona's Raval neighborhood, just a few minutes from Plaza Catalunya, you can find the top Mante shop, named after the expression commonly used to refer to these sellers who display their goods laid out on blankets. From the outside, it looks like just a simple building, but on a closer inspection it all feels different. T-shirts, shoes, books, sweaters, tote bags of all imaginable colors with powerful phrases can be seen. Such as illegal people, legal clothes. Inside, there are two people organizing clothes. While in a tiny room at the end of the shop, four workers stamp their brand Tabmanta using silk screen printing. Hola, me llamo Papalay. I talk with Papalaye, a Senegalese man who is part of the Syndicat of Mantes, the street sellers' union, and who also works in the shop. Es igual de empresa tells me that working conditions are like any other company, financially you have a salary based on the hours you work and they have their own ways of organising and supporting each other, but everything else is like any other functioning cooperative. Just five minutes from the shop there is the factory, it is located at the place called the House of Solidarity. When I entered, all I could hear was music, labs, and loud sewing machines. They told me that they are trying to find other locations because they are growing every day and more space is needed. Papalaya feels the union and the shop are two powerful tools. First, because thanks to them, all the people who feel excluded from society can be part of it. And also, they can fight for their rights. Later, I found Lamin Sard who came from Senegal and became a Mante right after arriving in Barcelona. He told me that it is an honor to be part of this project and to have been able, in a short period of time, to create their own union and also their own brand. He told me that the shoes are clearly a big success because, for instance, the first time they launched the brand, they sold out all of their inventory. However, he strongly states that being in their situation is not easy. When it's time to work in the street, you come up against difficult situations because of pressure from the police. He says we need to keep in mind that this is an activity where those who do it have no other choice and maybe it is their last chance. However, is being a street seller really the only option? Lamin says it is not the only one, but in all these jobs the situation is more or less the same. For instance, you could work in the fields, but there they explode you, there is no labour protection, you cannot sign on if you are fired and there is no paid vacation leave. The truth is that one is no better than the other. None of these options, being a manté or a seasonal worker, are easy. That is why the union and the shop exist to help them manage these difficult situations and to get better working conditions.
0: So it's an amazing idea, Gifré Topman. Myself and yourself actually went along to uh, the launch of their new footwear range a couple of months ago. It was a it was a great night. Yeah,
2: we had fun. I'd say they they presented their they launched their new brand of trainers. And, you know, it was such a cheerful atmosphere. They were all so proud of having uh, achieved this this aim. They, they had been working for a couple of years or so in this new brand of shoes. Yeah, ethical
0: is the kind of focus point of it, that they can trace all all where the parts Absolutely. come from and all the labor behind it, obviously. And it's
2: all manufactured in, in decent working conditions uh, and nearby. Actually, their, their one of their mottos, uh, one of the things they said was like, it's not about just doing it, it's about doing it right. Yeah, so. a little
0: subtle dig at uh, a certain multinational, no? Oh, we cannot
2: name it, uh, they haven't <laughs> paid for some ad here. So, so yeah, they were criticizing these this multinationals.
1: And it's pretty cool because um, I looked up their website to, to see the shoe and you can see, like, exactly where each part of the shoe comes from. So, so, so you can trace it. Yeah, yeah. That's a lovely initiative, yeah. And what each thing is actually made of and where it comes from.
0: Yeah, and, and the, they've released it under their name Ande Dem, which means walking together in Wolof, which is spoken by a lot of the collective's members, uh, many of whom were born in Senegal.
1: Yeah, and actually, these guys in Barcelona have inspired um, the movement in Madrid, which has just opened their own store called Pantera.
0: Okay, so it's grown. Maybe they'll end up being a multinational themselves. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Cristina?
1: Am una sabata y una espadrilla.
0: Amuna sabata with a shoe e and what?
1: Uh, Spardenia, an espadrille.
2: I, 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 I you it's, you don't, don't know even what,
1: know
0: what
2: this
0: is? <laughs> well, it's like the,
1: the, the traditional rope-soled shoes, you know, that you'd see in rural areas in Catalonia, especially the Pyrenees.
0: Right. Okay. was uh, one's quite trendy at the minute. No yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I didn't actually know the name for it. And so good summer shoes. Yeah, great summer shoes. So we're sticking with the shoe theme then. And what 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 does it what does it mean?
1: Basically, to get by with what you've got, makeshift solutions to. Make ends meet. So, if
0: all uh, what you've got is one or shoe and one of and an espadrille, then that's what you go out in. Yep. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of Filling the Sink. Thanks very much, both of you, for joining me, Christina and Gifrey. Thanks, yeah. Logan. Thanks to everyone who spoke to us this week. And uh, thanks, of course, to you for listening as well. We're back again next Saturday with another podcast. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News. Bye for now. Adieu.